Welcome to Holistic Ambition, where we talk with visionary leaders who are redefining what it means to be ambitious. We cover ways you can live with more well-being, meaning, and fun in your career, business, and relationships. I'm your host, Stephanie Toma, life coach for ambitious professionals and author of Confident Introvert. I'm really excited to announce Nicole Mitchell, who is with us today. She is a life coach who's gone viral as the pastor turned stripper. Through embodiment and self-expression, Nicole has gone from food stamps to seven figures. Nicole is passionate about helping people make money and be their truest self doing what they love. She's been featured on Jimmy Kimmel, Dr. Phil, Fox, ABC, NBC, iHeart, and SiriusXM. She has been published in over 25 countries and has over 250,000 organic followers on Instagram. Oh my goodness, Nicole, I'm so excited to begin to just dive in and talk about how to monetize who you are. Welcome. Oh my gosh. That is my passion. Well, first, Stephanie, thank you for having me. Thank you for hosting this conversation. I love, love, love talking about money and particularly helping women make money doing what they love and being who they are. So we grow up in a society that typically separates the two, that you get a job to pay the bills and you do your passion on the side, your side hustle, your side hobby, your side thing. And I'm here to flip it. I'm here to take your passion inside of you and teach you how to monetize it. So you love what you do every single day and you can't get enough of it and you're crushing it financially. I think the more we bring those together, that alignment, the easier the money flows. You know, that is so potent. This idea of having to choose, particularly as women, between self-expression and between making money, there's this stereotype of being in corporate America. And I know I totally bought into this once upon a time in my 20s of, you know, dressing in a certain conservative way and only saying certain words. And I know with your experience as a pastor, you've certainly experienced this. So, you know, I'd love to get your take on really going from a repressed place where either you're beginning to become aware that, whoa, like there's so much more in me, but I don't even know how to get it out. Um, Yeah. Can you walk us through your experience of releasing repression? Yes. My entire life was being a poster model or poster child for censorship, right? Always holding back what I really felt, what I really thought, what I wanted to, what I really wanted to say, what I really wish I was wearing in order to be the good girl, the good girl that I was taught to be, which would make me a good wife someday and a good mother someday. So anything to be able to fulfill this goal that was put on me. I never chose that. That was something indoctrinating me as a little girl. Your highest achievement, Nicole, is to be a good wife and a good mother. And so I did what it took. I was modest. I held everything in. I wanted to sacrifice and serve for the well-being of others. And it reaches a point where self-sacrifice is not sustainable, right? Your body will give out on you. Something will go wrong. Something We'll go sideways because that was never how we're meant to live. And especially when you have something that's just like bubbling, dying to come out of you at some point, it just has to. And it, it will often come out in a bunch of unhealthy sideways ways because we've been taught to trap it until it's forced out. But at some point we do have the freedom to choose to let it out and on our terms and in our way. So I reached a point in my life where I was tired of being the good girl. 
I just wanted to be a free woman, free to express, free to speak, free to take up space, free to be sexy, God forbid, uh, free to like honor the desires within me. And that freedom, it cost me everything, but it was worth it because now I'm free. I live life on my terms. I feel so sexy, empowered, and I'm crushing it financially. Yeah. And okay. So that's so potent by the way. And just sort of expanding upon this, you know, one of the reasons why I think many people are repressed is because of this desire for validation that honestly, you might not even get, even if you try to adhere to all the rules anyway, but even now, as you are effectively in your power, how how do you deal with the naysayers and haters now versus when you were first beginning to dip your toes into being more authentic? Yeah, it's so interesting. The I think that one of the greatest lies of repression is if you know repression equals good will happen to you. And I think repression equals harm happening to you because I don't think we we're ever meant to be repressed. So when I first started like throwing off the shackles of repression and stepping into my freedom and my embodiment and my expression. Um, the, the kickback was real. Um, and it's interesting. It's not like this, like, um, very overt hatred. It was more the quiet concern of our loved ones where your family looks at you weird and they talk about you behind your back and your friends stop texting you. And it was like this like subtle, but very real and potent experience of like, oh, everything, everyone thinks I'm crazy. Everyone thinks I've lost my marbles. Everyone thinks I'm having a midlife midlife crisis when really the only thing that was happening is I was simply returning to who I really was. But it was so different from who I was trained to be that everyone thought I was abandoning them when really I was just choosing to no longer abandon myself. And so the quiet concern was the hardest thing for me to face. On occasion, I would get like a hater comment but that didn't sting as much as not being believed by my own family and friends. Fast forward to today, I've been doing this long enough where I don't get hardly any kickback because now people realize, oh, this wasn't a phase. This wasn't a crisis. This is who she is. Yes. And, you know, that's so powerful how when stepping into a greater sense of authenticity and expression, what you're illustrating is this idea that in the beginning, it's really the hardest where people, maybe you begin to shed different relationships that no longer serve. Maybe some people are kind of like, wait, is this for real? Is this something that in a month, in a year, you're going to feel shame about and then like no longer do or no longer present yourself in this way. So, you know, I, I really am, what really is standing out is, the the quiet also that you talked about how it's not always people being trolled online and saying really overtly mean things but it's being with the silence and the space and how have you gone about finding or attracting more of your soul tribe these days you have to be willing to release those who are no longer aligned. And it's the scariest thing, especially if you've walked a significant part of your life with them, you've built your history with them. And at some point, if they are not able to continue with who you're becoming and where you're going, we have to be able to release them. And I think that's been some of the most painful work I've ever done because I want my best friends then to still be my best friends today. But if they can't support me and who I'm becoming, I can't force them on my journey. And 
So I had to like just bless and release them, cry a lot of tears, but I deeply believe that in our releasing is our receiving. So by releasing them, I was clearing space for my new best friends to show up, my chosen family to show up, but they can't show up if we're so busy trying to hang on to all the people from our past. And so I tell people, be grateful to your past, loyal to your future, because we tend to get the opposite. People want to stay loyal to their past and like stay excited for the future, but we have to release our past if we want to truly step into who we're becoming. And something I want to say back to what you said earlier, like I wish People would just give other people permission to try, to explore, to change, right? Maybe I do this adult modeling for a year and I hate it and I regret it. Cool. Now I know. Go back to what I once was. But people are so terrified of you trying anything that they'll try to pull you back in versus like bless them, release them, let them go on their journey. And if it ends up being the real deal for them, yay. If it ends up being the wrong decision for them, Great. Now they know either way it's a win. And I wish people would realize that because more people would be free. Yeah. And you know, what's standing out is this idea of going through these changes and how public you want to be with it. So, you know, I love the bit you said about being releasing your past, being loyal to your future. However, um, it it's pretty standard in, in marketing, right? To say, I used to be this, now I'm that. So how do you navigate not hiding or like 100% releasing every single aspect of your past, still maybe even talking about it, uh, but maintaining that loyalty to the future. Mm -hmm. I don't release everything perfectly. I still, I'm very sensitive. I still have sad moments and sad days where I wish some of the people who used to be my life were still in it. I, you know, I miss them immensely and it's part of my path that I walk on. But I did in the beginning, I tried to keep it quiet. I tried to keep it so no one would find out, right? Because I just wanted to explore. Is this something I'm into? Is this something I don't like? I don't even know until I can explore it. But I knew if I came out publicly about it, my whole world would be up in arms. To go from a religious good girl to wanting to be an online porn star, like you can't get more extreme than that. Um, But at some point, I just got tired of like living this duplicitous life, like this like good girl image online, because I was like, you know, on social media, being a good wife, good mom, good pastor. But behind the scenes, I'm going to queer clubs and drag shows and all this stuff to explore my queer identity, to explore self-expression. And I just finally reached a point of like, I'd rather rip the bandaid off let everyone know this is something I'm exploring and they are welcome to come along on the journey with me. If they are absolutely horrified, please unfollow and unfriend me now. And that finally gave me the space to just breathe, explore, try without any need to hide. Yeah. And you know, so I was able to watch one of your videos and I encourage anyone watching right now, go ahead and bookmark um, the video on Nicole's website where she comes out as queer. Uh, one of the key takeaways from watching that video was as an ally being a safe space. And I mean, even a little personal story that I have was after college receiving a message from one of my guy friends who was very metrosexual, would wear Burberry scarves and everything. And, you know, they let me know that they were transitioning from male to female and that they were scared that maybe I would disown them, but they told me because they're like, out of all of our friends, I think maybe you won't. And it becomes such an opportunity to say, 
oh my gosh, of course, I will not think any differently of you. And if this makes you happy, and if it's true for you, please do this, I will support you. And, you know, I'd love to hear from you more about, um, you know, on the other side, you know, let's say there's someone who's taking that step and bracing for people rejecting them. Uh, and then there are people who have the opportunity to step up. What would you say to those people? Oh my gosh. Like be that person, be the safe person where people could tell you the most vulnerable parts of their lives. Like I see it as one of the greatest gifts I can give another human is to be a safe person. I recently had a girlfriend come out to me about her husband cheating on her and she's devastated. And we talked her through and I asked her, do you have people you can talk about this with? She was like, who Nicole, who can I talk to about this? And like, kind of like, and like kind of sarcastic because she feels so alone. And I was like this, you can talk to Nicole fucking Mitchell. I've got you. Like people come to me and share like their yearnings, their desires, a heartbreak because they know there's zero judgment here. I'm going to hold you in love. And I trust that your knowing is going to lead you home. You don't need me to save you, but I will hold you as you're on this journey. And I think if we could do that for each other, we would all be in a much more healed state and be healthier and happier. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to the healing process of, let's say that you've gone through the very difficult, but very necessary journey of being able to let people go, let an identity go, and even be in a sort of no man's land for a time where maybe you're not even solidly in your new identity yet. And maybe there are times when you kind of go back to the previous, you know, I'm curious about how you would uh, let people know if they're in that weird in between what they can do to more fully integrate into their future. Yes. You're allowed to be wobbly. You're allowed to be wobbly. It's, it's easy to hear people who've made big transitions. And even in my story, right. I'm known as the pastor turned stripper and it sounds like an overnight journey. And it wasn't, it was, it was a two year journey um, to be able to get into that, but we all go through that wobbly stage. And so I tell people when you're in the wobbly stage, get in an incubator, right? When a baby chick needs to be incubated, warm in its little eggshell while it, it forms and grows all the things that it needs to survive in the wild. And then once it's hatched, it's able to come out of that incubator, go out to the elements for a little bit. And then when things feel a little too gusty, a little too bright, a little much, a little too intense, they run back into their incubator and get all warm and safe and cozy. And they reassure themselves they're going to be okay. And then the next day they go out again. And over time, they're going to spend less and less time in the incubator and more and more time in the wild because they're solid, they're grounded, they're free. So find an incubator. And for me on my journey, that was hiring life coaches, that was joining masterminds, putting my myself in spaces where I could have these conversations where it was normal and supported and I could be held and I could be loved as I like would go out and explore and then come back and like, okay, I need reassurance. I'm terrified. Was that the right thing? And then eventually I got more and more grounded, more confident, more centered. And now I might go to the incubator for a quick hot moment to touch base, but I am able to live in the wild. Mm, okay. I love that metaphor of, you know, let's just get in the wild. Let's yeah. be in our, in our true element of self and undertones that I'm picking up on here have to do with personal power and yeah. fully claiming that. And, you know, when it comes to personal power and engaging with your wildest fantasies and dreams and making them real, 
I'm curious, you know, I, there could be some law of attraction, or maybe there are some things that you, um, that are a part of your experience uh, that you can share. Yeah, there is a difference between personal power and circumstantial power. And when we're initially making that transition from one to, you know, from one life to a different life, we're very dependent upon circumstantial power. We need things to just to be just right. So we don't completely lose our minds, right? So that's where the incubator becomes your, your circumstantial power. Get yourself in a container, in a space, in a, a group that can hold you when you're feeling wobbly and unstable. Then over time, you're going to cultivate the inner strength, which is your personal power, where no matter what is going on around you, you're solid, you're good. And then eventually you want to get to a point where you have both. You have personal power, you're solid no matter what, and you've built your life up in a way where circumstantially, you're also solid. You're not surrounded by haters. You're not surrounded by skeptics. You're surrounded by people who love you, support you, believe in you. And even if they go away or they forget to say something or don't support you in a way that you you thought they would, you're still good you have personal power. So I think knowing the two different kinds of power and like that, depending on what season in, you might be working on one or the other, and then you're going to reach a point where you have both. And when you have both girl, you are unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, so I love how you've illustrated this, the difference, right? Between circumstantial power that maybe you can kind of mold yourself to fit into versus the unshakable, unmistakable personal power. And you know, when it comes to, let's say, sharing something that there could be some shame around that, let's say someone's in the process of releasing, whether it be something from their past, whether it be something that that is in their present or a future aspiration, um, what are ways that someone who is, you know, in that process can um, sort of share their story with a sense of confidence as they are still a little bit wobbly. Ooh. Yes. I think being able to share your story when you're so wobbly, it's great to do it in the incubator. So those finding those group of people who see you according to who you're becoming, this is key. This isn't people who see you according to who you once were. It's people who see you according to who you're becoming. They can see the greatness within you. They can see you morphing in real time to stretch out into this greatness and you practice on them. And then at some point, you you probably will reach a point where you have to impose yourself on the world. And one of my favorite quotes by Glennon Doyle is, impose yourself on the world, the world will adjust. We don't wait for the world to adjust and then we share ourselves with the world. Sometimes we have to share ourselves with the world and then we we let them adjust. So I remember when I was in that wobbly, evolving into my power and greatness and kind of practicing with my little circles. And I was so terrified to come out publicly, but I was just ready. And I did a Facebook live called um, a pastor, pastor turned stripper, a journey home to myself. And I was like quaking in my boots, like so scared to like rename myself as that, but also just wanting so badly to be seen. And it blew up, right? Old friends who had no idea on this personal journey I was going on, saw the title and they're like, wait, what? This is Nicole. And it just allowed me to finally breathe and put myself out there and let the chips fall where they may. It released people who need to be released from my life. It magnetically drew in people who wanted to stay in my life. And that was like the catalyst to me just owning it fully, publicly, and eternally. You know, I love that when it comes to being able to 
wobble in community and not necessarily try to focus on the people that already have a perception of you and change their perception. It's like, wait, there are new people in the world. What if they got to know you as yeah. a version of yourself? So I love that you've illustrated that where that is very much in alignment with progress and moving forward. And I'd love us to even dive into one of the healing aspects of your journey, which is erotica and how the power of expression sexually and, you know, that this brings in the element of fancy and what you really, really want. Mm -hmm. Yes. Erotica saved me. Um, not religion, not the church, not Jesus, but erotica saved me because I, after growing up so repressed and so ashamed of my body, so afraid of my desires, I, I didn't know even where to begin. I'd been taught to live in fear, breathe fear, expect fear. And when I found myself dabbling in the adult world, I felt like a spark of life come alive inside of me. I got a taste of something that like brought me so much joy and pleasure. And, and I'll give you a perfect example of how like erotica saved me. I remember I started my OnlyFans and my OnlyFans was just to practice self-expression. It was literally me just learning to take up space and letting myself be seen as sexy. So there was nothing explicit. It was all just sexy little poses, lingerie. Everything was implied or covered up. And I remember at one point a fan DM'd me asking if I did dick ratings. And I have no idea what a dick rating is. I'm incredibly naive because of my upbringing. So I Google, what is a dick rating? And it brings up this Reddit thread of dick ratings. And in it is every kind of dick you could see and every single comment underneath it was raving positive. And I was like, Oh my God, like there's literally every shape, size, color, hair, no hair. And everyone loves every single one. I'm like, what is this? And then I saw a comment about pussy rating. So I'm like, what's a pussy rating? So I click on that link and it takes me to another Reddit thread. Same thing every type of vulva under the sun and every single comment under it was raving love and adoration. And I was like, wait, this is desirable. This part, people like this. Cause I was so ashamed of what I looked like down there. I would, I didn't know why it always got wet. I thought there was something wrong with me. And so to see all this raving love, I was like, it taught me that I am lovable. It taught me that I am desirable as I am, how I made, I don't have to change anything. In fact, when I, when I take off all the layers when I, like, there's nothing I can hide. I'm still lovable because I've been taught to cover up my whole life. That is what actually helped me learn to love my body, love myself and express myself knowing that there will always be someone who will love you as you are. And having been raised in an environment where God hates you, you deserve hell, you're unworthy. This was a new concept and a completely new experience for me. And it brought me home to my body, my pleasure, my freedom, my my, my parts and no longer being ashamed. And so erotica was huge in helping me find love for myself and a new life. So it's, it's so great that we're really going into the embodiment pieces and the emotions and the feelings and, and the people. And, you know, another part of that experience being in our capitalistic society is how money fits into all of that because yeah. The old trope is certainly if someone is involved in an industry that is, um, you know, like not your standard nine to five, there's this whole trope that, oh yeah, stable nine to five where you, you make a lot of money in quotes, but you know, you, you're a shining example of 
not going that way and making seven figures. I can't really list many nine to fives that will make you seven figures. So I'm curious about uh, how this tie-in of uh, how you tie money and money mindset, but also the very real tangible lifestyle that you've built through this whole journey. Yeah, I was on food stamps for almost a decade and I just got sick of it. And people don't realize how costly poverty is. It costs you your peace. It costs you your health. It costs you your free time. It costs you your sanity. It is very expensive and very taxing to be on, to be on food stamps and to be in poverty. And so I had a lot of healing work to do around money, wealth, riches, feeling safe with it, feeling worthy of it, feeling deserving of it. And so I invested heavily in mindset and inner work around money because I couldn't even say the words, I want to be rich without cringing. I was like, ooh, like, ew, isn't that like, am I, aren't I just automatically gross and cringy saying that, much less becoming that? And so I've learned over the over the years that to me, I deeply believe it is easiest to make money when you're fully expressed, when you're fully embodied, when you're fully empowered. It is so easy to make money, but being in a patriarchal capitalist society, it's very convenient to tell an entire people group that the only way to make money is if you work for me, for my dream, my passion, nine to five, and barely make it. That's, that's, it's so convenient. Work for me. I will tell you, you'll, this, how you'll live your life, how to make money, how much you're allowed to make versus if people realize their own personal power and that being fully expressed and fully embodied is the path to the greatest riches. You blow up the patriarchy because no longer we don't have to, we don't have to serve another gender. We don't have to serve another human. Like we can become our own leader, our own boss, our own CEO, we can be the ones pursuing our dreams, not someone else's. And so the beauty of when you're fully expressed, the natural gift of that is you're going to repel and you're going to attract equally. I'm going to repel all kinds of opportunities because I'm too sexual. I'm too explicit. I know this, but I don't want an opportunity if I have to hide or dim some part of myself. I had to learn to get, I had to get to that point. And I do want to attract everything that can't get enough of me where they're like, what? Like, this is what you do. This is who you are. Oh my gosh. I, I We have to talk. We have to hang out. We should be friends, be on my podcast, come do this. Those are the opportunities where I'm like, yes. And when I'm so alive because I'm fully expressed, I'm getting all kinds of opportunities that are per- perfectly aligned. I'm naturally repelling all the opportunities that are not, that are not right for me. It becomes easy. But when you are not fully expressed and you're just meh, you're just middle of the road and you have opportunities on both sides. You don't know which one to take because if you take this one, it means it's going to cost you that one. But if you take this one, it's going to cost you that. And then we get stuck and we freeze and we end up never taking the leap to go after it. And so when you're fully expressed, it forces you to be polarizing. And I have found that being polarizing is what has allowed me to go on to create a lot of wealth because I am no longer trying to placate anyone. I'm not trying to be like anyone. This is Nicole fully in her power, fully in her lane, who's learned how to monetize who she is and what she does. And now it's so much easier making money doing this than any job I held prior. And I mean, that is just in a nutshell, it like, that's why we're here, right? That's why we're having this conversation. It's, mm-hmm. it's about really having the agency and not just having it. You already have it knowing that you have it. like claiming that oh yeah like I do have this and guess what not everyone's gonna like it and 
maybe, I mean, I, I can even touch on a part of my experience growing up of not being liked by certain key people and thinking, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I won't let this happen when I'm an adult. And then you dim parts of yourself. But guess what? That's getting a lot of people to your point saying things like, oh yeah, she's so nice. She's a nice girl. She's fine. She's fine. But you know what it takes? It's really allowing for this opportunity of making mistakes. And maybe you say something and then you have full agency. You can decide that maybe you don't believe that anymore, but just to be fully rooted in the present version of yourself, focused on the future version, you know, there's, there's a lot of potency here. So you know, I'm curious when it comes to, you know, let's kind of deva- dive even further into being in this pinnacle of our experience and what are different ways that, you know, you mentioned when you were beginning your journey, you were in, in masterminds, had a lot of mentorship and help in that area. And now you kind of dip your toes in, but what are some other ways that keep you rooted in that once you feel like you have gone over a primary hurdle or yeah, we'll kind of start there over a primary, what over the primary hurdle of let's say that initial initial repression or shame, let's say you're over that hurdle. How do you stay where you are and be future focused at the same time and what the next level is? Yeah. Support is huge for that because I'll find myself crossing into a new level, right? Cause there's always another level. There's always new ways of expanding and expressing. And I'll find myself crossing into a new level and I get triggered. Like this is it. This is the one time I've gone too far. I've done too much. I've pushed the envelope too much. And little Nicole wants to run back to be the good girl. So she can be liked and be loved. And that's when I turn to my support system. I, I have a couple coaches. I'm in a couple masterminds. I'm like, guys, I'm freaking out. Like, hold me, talk to me, talk me off the edge of the cliff here. And they're like, Nicole, you're safe. You're safe. You're safe. You've got this. You've crushed everything before this. You're going to crush this too. You're okay. So me being quick to turn to support, I think is what allows me to say so, so strong and stay in the momentum. I think if I didn't have support, I would be way more this, I'd be zigzagging. I would try it, freak out, shut down for a while, get the courage, try it, freak out, shut down. And I would just zigzag. And it's really hard to get forward momentum when you're zigzagging, just like in a car. If you're constantly zigzagging left and right, it's going to take you a whole lot longer to get to your destination than if you just stayed straight and floored it. And so by me having my support system, they're almost like bumpers on a bowling alley. When I'm tempted to go off a little bit, or I'm getting freaked out. They bump me back into my, my zone, back into my lane. And those bumpers is what keeps me going forward, staying in the momentum and not sabotaging or slowing myself down unnecessarily. And how does someone know when they're in the right community that's going to really foster that next level growth? Yes. This is a huge question because Uh, it's really common for people to put themselves in the wrong community because everyone's like this, this is the best one. This is the best investment ever. And it changed my life. And then you check out that investment and it doesn't vibe with you, but like everyone has reading testimonials about it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm off. Okay. So I sign up for it. And then if that's your feeling, it's probably not the right container for you. Eat it doesn't matter if there's 5 million testimonials, 5 million people whose lives have been changed. If your gut is that doesn't seem my thing. You're 100% correct. I have paid a lot of money to learn this very expensive lesson where I hear about something that everyone raves. It's changed your life. I'm like, oh, okay. So I throw a bunch of money at it. Even though beforehand, I'm like, I don't think we're probably the best fit, but everyone says they're the best in the industry. I hire them. I don't get the results that I want. 
And there goes that money and that time and that energy. So now I've been on this journey long enough that I only invest in a person, a container, a community. If my entire being lights up where I'm just like, this is it. And even if it stretches me a little bit beyond that, I'm scared because I know when I step into the space, I'm going to grow into a whole new level of myself. And that's thrilling and terrifying because it means we're going to have to release more things and try new things. That's how I know. Really trusting your gut above the testimonials, above the perfect sales page. Never say yes to anything where you're pushed into it. If anyone, any person I hire for any service if they try to manipulate me to buy on the phone right then, it's an immediate no for me because that's not how I run my business. I never push anyone to join my world. You know in your heart if my world is the right fit for you. If I'm not the right fit for you, I will not force you to be in it. I let you go find your correct world. So I will never do that to someone and I don't want to be treated that way. So trusting your knowing above all is critical for that. And there's such integrity in that where it's it's simply an up-leveling of the initial experience of being uncomfortable and being a little bit wobbly. It doesn't end. But especially as you reach higher and higher heights, that vibe check is very important. It, you know, it's a part of this embodiment that you've talked about, right? Where it's not about like, oh great, this this person's the number one business coach, this person's the number one person in their field. Uh, yeah, I, I just love that you really emphasized that embodiment. And mm. I'm curious, how do you define ambition? Ooh, you know, when I say that word, I mainly just think of personal drive. I think ambition is very personal and very internal. Only, you know, what you're being called to do and who to become and where to go. And so I, it's an inside knowing and personal drive. Beautiful. And, you know, when it comes to specifically holistic ambition, what does that mean to you in like a word or a phrase? Yes. The word that comes to me is alignment. When my mind, heart, body, soul are all in alignment and what I feel called to go do have be that's holistic ambition for me. Mm. Yeah. And this in alignment, that's really been such a theme and everything that you've shared today, uh, or even if it feels stretchy, or crunchy, the alignment is, is the goal and it's, it's where to be. So, you know, how can people stay connected with you, learn more about you? Yeah. Come check me out. So probably the best place is just go to my website. It has all my links, nicolemitchell.com. Nicole is spelled with a K and I K O L E. Um, I'm the most active on Facebook, Instagram, and OnlyFans. and come say hi. If you vibe, say hi. And if you don't, that's okay too, but I would love to meet you. Thank you for tuning in to holistic ambition. This is Stephanie Thomas saying goodbye for now and inviting you to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.